There's a new O'Reilly Auto Parts store in Vineyard on North Geneva Road. Stop by the grand opening celebration now through May 21st and receive 50% off on select items. You'll find everything from replacement parts to tools and accessories at everyday low prices. Visit the new O'Reilly Auto Parts store in Vineyard. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, the Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, here with Ben Anderson, host of Gunther and Ben, every weekday here from 2 to 6 p.m. on ESPN 700. Ben, how are you doing on this lovely Tuesday? Amazing, and it's not raining anymore. It's not raining anymore. I was, I've was i spent the weekend in sunny San Diego, so like any <laughs> any rain or any bad weather you may have had, I'm completely unaware of. Yep. I don't know how it was over this weekend, but nice. in San Diego, I can tell you this, it was lovely. It was, it was like uh, mid-70s here all weekend. It was really great oh, okay. here this weekend, but then we got the horrible rain today. Gotcha. Well, uh, nevertheless, I am happy to bring uh, another Salt City Hoops show to you guys this is our, our last for a couple of weeks as uh, ESPN 700 will be airing the conference finals yep. and the NBA finals. Uh, when you know, We don't know exactly when those games will be. We don't know which teams are going to be playing in those games, uh, but we will have them here for you live on ESPN 700. But for now, we want to talk about the Utah Jazz, what's going on in these playoffs, and the NBA draft a little bit as the Jazz's draft workouts have started uh, as have our evaluations of what's what's going on in the draft, so we'll we'll get to that throughout the show. Of course, as always, most important in the show is your questions. So please send us your questions to at Andy B Larson. That's my Twitter handle, or at Ben's Hoops. That's Ben Anderson's Twitter handle, uh, and we will answer them here on the show. If you want, you can also call us or text us. You can call us at 877-353-0700, or you can call us at that same number, uh, 877-353-0700. We're looking forward to your questions now. I I do want to update you guys on the score of this Raptors-Philadelphia 76ers game. Uh, Right now, the Raptors up 53-39. After getting a big win in Philly, I thought, uh, that the Raptors did to to tie that series. Big shots by Kawhi Leonard at the end. uh, And now, you know, with a 14-point lead, just about at halftime here, um, they're they're looking good to take a three two lead back to Philadelphia and for for game six. Uh, let's as we wait for some questions to roll in, and I'm sure because we just tweeted it out, we will get some questions coming in. Let's talk a little bit about the playoffs and what we've seen so far. Yeah, and just to get everyone updated, and this is this is exactly what we want in the second round. Golden State and Houston are two two. Portland Denver, who played tonight, are two two. Milwaukee's up on Boston three one. Which if you don't like Boston, and a lot of people here in Utah <laughs> don't like Boston, that's what you wanted. Other than maybe the series being four zero. And then Philly and Toronto's 2-2. And if you're like me and the Jazz were eliminated and you just want to have interest in the game, these are good games because every yeah. game matters. They're very interesting. There's not a lot of 3-1s or 3-0 series. I saw someone on Twitter, and I, I apologize, I don't remember who it was, say that this is maybe the, the best second round of the playoffs of all time. Is, is, is that something you'd agree with? As far as matchups go, and I'm not this historian who remembers specific matchups sure. all that well. I mean, I watch the games, and I like the games, but... If it's not the Jazz playing, I'm probably not going to remember who the Raptors lost to five years ago mm-hmm. and how good that series was. That's just not how my brain works. But you look at these matchups, and, and Houston 
Golden State's essentially a finals matchup. Could be a finals matchup. Those might be the two best teams in the NBA. 76ers-Toronto is interesting because of the uh, impact it has. Whoever loses, we assume, is probably going to have some attrition from the superstars on their on their roster. Milwaukee-Boston's interesting because we're having one team emerge in Giannis Antetokounmpo and is a legit finals contender. And Boston, who everyone thought was a finals contender going into the season, that has had this bizarre implosion all year long that's yeah. been a very slow car wreck. And not consistently negative, negatively linear. It kind of goes up and down. It has ebbed and flowed a little bit, but clearly is ending at a very low point. And then Denver-Portland are two teams that... I don't know if they have any real impact on the future of the Western Conference, but at least for this year, it looks like they're going to make the Western Conference Finals. But I, I don't know what the next step is for either of them. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it's kind of a, a product of how unusually the the uh, seeding in both conferences worked out. I mean, yeah. the, the Eastern Conference made sense. I do think you had the four best teams with the four best slots clearly in that conference. Obviously, the Indiana Pacers were up there for most of the season, but then their last little stretch of the season, where they they went below five hundred, uh, made it tough on them. And and you know that makes sense given that they were lacking their best player in Victor Oladipo. You look at the Western Conference, and the second round is great because you do have pretty evenly matched teams. You uh, at one and four, which is something you you don't frequently see. You you normally see the one seed have a a, a pretty easy go of things yep. with that four seed. You're just not seeing that uh, in the Western Conference because Houston slipped to four because of all their injury problems, because of, quite frankly, the changes in their team. And uh, and as a result, I think you're getting a, a competitive 2-3 series as well. Who's been the best team in the playoffs so far? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I think Milwaukee, uh, beyond Game 1 of yep. this Celtics series, has really impressively taken care of business. And there's some sticker shock going from the Pistons to the Celtics. And there's yeah. a real gap in how much better the Celtics are than the Pistons. And I don't think the Celtics are great. And I do think the Celtics are the by far the worst of these four teams in the Eastern Conference that are still playing, which they shouldn't be, but they just have been. Uh, their talent is unbelievable. I mean, they've got good young talent. They've got good veteran talent. They've got a true superstar, I think, in Kyrie Irving. They've got a good coach. And still, they just haven't been able to put it together all season. And I think it's worth believing in what you saw for 82 games this year and think that that would translate. But still, Milwaukee is just handling this team. I mean, Milwaukee, if you were able to watch the game at all, Chris Middleton and Giannis yesterday in the third quarter both pick up their fourth fouls, and they go to the bench, and it's like a eight-point game. And you think, okay, Boston could really put a run together here. And by the time those guys are checking in again in the fourth quarter, they're down 12. I mean, they, yeah. they, they got worse once Giannis and, and Chris Middleton went to the bench. And you realize Bledsoe's really good. George Hill's been amazing in this series. Right, yeah. They're getting a ton of contributions from him. They just have enough help everywhere else and they're you know Meritich is good Ilyasova's given them really good minutes at times and he's not a great player at this point in his career but has given them some nice minutes all of a sudden this Milwaukee team is a legit eight or nine playoff pieces deep not just regular season but playoff players deep they can go eight or nine deep and that's huge for games like that when you get foul trouble yeah and and meanwhile you you would think that the bench of of Boston would be a strength for them you know they they have the bigger names with Marcus Smart coming back, Terry Rozier playing, uh, obviously Gordon Hayward coming off of the bench. You know, I mean, those are Aaron Baines has been a good yep. player. You know, those are guys that you you would think would would dominate those bench minutes, but it's it's guys like Pat Connaughton on on the other side for the Milwaukee Bucks, George Hill, who we I think a lot of people thought was was done. Uh, you know, are, are are making the difference. I mean, Connaughton a plus twenty two last night. George Hill a plus fifteen, and and I you know I I think that's that says a lot about. Um, 
maybe even more about where the Celtics are uh, compared to where people thought they would be. I mean, we've talked a lot about Kyrie Irving as well on this on the show throughout yeah. the years, the last couple of years. I mean, first of all, demanding a trade from the Cleveland yeah. Cavaliers and away from LeBron James, and I think that said a lot about him, but just kind of how the, the Boston Celtics have, quite frankly, sometimes been better without him on the floor. All of the last playoffs. Um, I mean, to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and we're in a Game 7, right, against LeBron? Yeah. To get to the Finals? Right. And he wasn't on the floor at all. And, and we're seeing uh, we're seeing kind of those problems creep up again with them this year. You've got uh, Kyrie going 8 for 22, Game 3, then followed up, told reporters he would be sure to change that yeah. for Game 4, went 7 of 22. So yeah. I guess he, he changed it. Straight, stayed true to his word, but it, not here, in the way he, we, we thought. Here's a funny thing that we're getting happening right now uh with these three leaders i guess kind of weird leaders that are going on right now in the playoffs is kevin durant is a leader and i think because there's this assumption he's gonna leave it's a little bit hard to rally around him Kawhi leonard is probably still gonna leave the toronto raptors and i think people want to rally around him but it's kind of hard to because again you have no idea what he's thinking and same with the Kyrie irving Kawhi and Kyrie and kevin not just do the three k's but those are guys who are probably going to leave their current roster, and there still need to be these teams that these players rally around, and it must be hard to do. And I guess tip your hat to Toronto, who's done it as well as anyone. And Toronto has a somewhat realistic chance, I think, of at least bringing Kawhi back. I I wouldn't bet on it, but it seems somewhat realistic. Well, Probably less so for Kyrie and Kevin Durant. To be honest, I think Kawhi's teammates want him back more than Kevin Durant's teammates want him back or Kyrie's teammates want him back. You know, I think... Uh, as as we talk about Kawhi Leonard, he just had a posterizing dunk over the the Philadelphia seventy sixers, get a get a twenty one point lead uh, going into halftime of, of this game. So the, quite the run, the second quarter 21 run. Points. Yeah, twenty one point lead. Wow. It's it's currently sixty four forty three going into half. Uh, Raptors won the second quarter thirty seven to seventeen. I, I just think that the, the way that those guys go about their business, and and it's not that Kawhi Leonard has always been likable, but he's he's been respected in a way that I don't know that Kyrie Irving and and uh, Kevin Durant have because they have had tendencies to take shots at their teammates at times. Yeah. Uh, this Boston team, as we're talking Boston, I mean, two years ago, was there a more enviable position of anyone in the NBA than what Boston had? I, I'd say no. I mean, honestly, and let's say, you know, 19 months ago or 20 months ago, because at that point you had just acquired Kyrie Irving. You had him for several years under contract. I mean, you had at least two more years, and you thought, well, he'll probably ink a contract here. He just he traded for you, and he wanted to be in a market like this. You would just sign Gordon Hayward to a big deal, but a deal that everyone in the NBA would have gladly signed him to. You had Jason Tatum, who you had just drafted with a number three overall pick that you traded back from number one and got a full haul of more picks to use. For a much, much, much better player. For a better player than, obviously, what Markel Fultz turned out to be. You had Jalen Brown. You had Marcus Smart. You had Al Horford. You had Brad Stevens, who was the young coach in the NBA at the point. Brad, uh, or I should say Danny Ainge, was doing a great job as a general manager, as proved by all those pieces. You just thought, this team is going to be good for a decade. Yeah. Not just because of the players they already have, but because of the assets they have. And now, all of a sudden, they overvalued their young assets. Obviously, Gordon Hayward broke his ankle and then has not come back to be the same player. And even though he had a high point about a month and a half ago, has regressed significantly in the playoffs. Kyrie's, I don't want to say he's a malcontent, but he's not happy. And right. it looks like he's going to go elsewhere. And it's problematic on the floor. What, what is this? And Al Horford's aging rapidly. All, yeah. all of a sudden, this team is 
the fourth or fifth best team in the Eastern Conference, even though they got some young pieces and can get better, they might have to start not a rebuild, but kind of a reimagining, at least a rearranging of the furniture that they've got in the house. And, and honestly, that might happen this summer just with an Anthony Davis trade, right? Like right. I, I would still consider them um, among the top a three player. front runners for yeah. for Anthony Davis, and I think you could you could really rebuild the team around him. But then you, you've got problems there as well, right? You know whether or not he stays healthy, whether or not he's an impact player on the defensive end. He's been up and down at that at, at times. So um, that that's something really interesting to watch. I wonder to about Boston's young player development, and, and I, you know, I think we we've, we've seen strides from Jalen Brown is was a much better player his second year than his first. Uh, Jason Tatum is a worse player his second year than his first. Yeah, I, I, and, I'm old enough to remember when Jason Tatum was being compared to Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, and that's not a conversation anymore. Right, like he does not belong in that conversation right now with either Ben Simmons or Donovan Mitchell. And, and I wonder, you know, if it's that. Quite frankly, people got in his ear saying that he was an ex Kobe, and so he tried to become Kobe, which it, you know just doesn't work. Unless yeah, you he's not an isolation player. You know, he thinks right. he is, but he's not. <laughs> he he certainly does enough of it, you know. Yeah. But it's it's literally the most inefficient play in the NBA. Uh, you know, is it is it that no one's in the ear of Kyrie Irving telling him how to work with his teammates? Is it that no one's in the ear of Jalen Brown how to how to take that step from good to great? You know, like I, I'm just kind of we we just haven't seen the results in that with those young players like you you may have expected. And also, I think it's dangerous to be throwing these young guys' names around in trades. Like Jason Tatum knows he might be going to New Orleans this off season. Okay, so what motivation do you have to to work? For the Boston right. Celtics. I mean, if you might get traded to New Orleans for Anthony Davis and not kind of reap what you sow, which is the idea is being a part of a championship team. I mean, that was what Boston's rallying cry was, was win 65 games, make it to the finals, and improve on what you did last season. Yeah. And you were a huge part in the playoffs last season of why you got that far. And then the next season, as soon as Anthony Davis asked for a trade, your name's obviously the only name out there that's realistically being thrown around as a trade piece to get him or as the main asset in that trade. That's got to rattle him the same way, clearly, I thought Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball were all rattled this year. I think that's hard on young players. And, and that might make you look at the game more selfishly than you otherwise would. Absolutely. Right? Like you're just looking out for number one at that point because your team's not looking out for you. We do have questions coming in to our Twitter feed yeah. here. Um, thank you guys for your questions. As always, you can tweet us at Andy B. Larson or at Ben's Hoops, and we'll uh, answer your questions here on the air. Let's get to our first question uh, by, by time here from Alex Asking us, guessing the odds of a, a Ricky Rubio return to the Utah Jazz next season. 20%? Yeah, pretty low. Um, you know, I, I think he would have to take both a, a smaller role and smaller money. Yeah. And it is so infrequent that you see a uh, guy do that for and, and stay on the same team. Unless he's, you know, a, a 35-year veteran, you know, 35-year-old. Yeah. Five, <laughs> 15-year veteran. Right. That's not quite where Ricky Rubio is. He still has things to prove. And so I think... 29, 27, right? He's not that old. Right. So he wants to have one more three-year, $45 million contract. Yeah. And and so I I, I suspect that comes with a, a team that... You know, thinks they need a point guard, whether that be Phoenix, Orlando, Chicago, yep. are, are some of the names that I've heard for him. Uh, in particular, Chicago was sending scouts out to Jazz games last year to scout Ricky Rubio. They kind of think that they would benefit from a pass first point guard to make their big man better, which and probably makes a good locker sense. room guy. And yeah, and actually, it, Phoenix, could, Phoenix could do that as well. Now, if they still had uh, Igor in Phoenix, I would say that's almost a lock that that's where he ends up. But uh, Igor being gone from Phoenix right. now probably means that I, I still think he's absolutely in that conversation. Yeah, I, think I agree. He, and and they could use that guy. 
because Ricky Rubio doesn't need shots necessarily to be happy, and Devin Booker's happy to have more shots. So <laughs> that's a good fit. That's actually a pretty good marriage. Yeah. And Ricky Rubio at, you know, maybe they give him two years. What does what, what Ricky Rubio sign this offseason? That, that's a good question. You know, I, I don't know. Um, my guess would be the mid-level. Do you think um, it's that low for Ricky Rubio? Mid-level's $9 million a year. Okay. You know, like that's... He make 15 this year. Yeah. I think it's nine. Okay. You know, and maybe some team beats that. You know, one the teams that we're talking about have cap space. Uh, Does he get a Trevor Ariza one-year $15 million deal from somebody? Would you rather have that if you're Ricky or, or two years 18? I guess probably 115 probably is a lot 115. better than two years two yeah, 18. Yeah, two and 18. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I could see him doing that. like 225 or 115. Okay. And trying to get that. And Chicago pays it to him or somebody just says, yeah, we'll just we'll take that on. We're, we're, we're worth that. That still feels a lot to me. But I, I for agree. A, for a... a a team that you know that they're not going to be contending in the next two years anyway. Like I, you know, kind of right. why not? Ariza one year and fifteen million dollars was way too much too. Right, but Phoenix paid him. Yeah, and they just thought like, well, let's get a culture guy. Let's get a culture guy, and then it, when it doesn't work out, they were able to trade him for assets. Yeah. you know, you, and I, I don't, I don't think Ricky Rubio out of that deal. That's awful great. out of that. You know, I don't think Ricky Rubio is is a bad bet for a bad team in that situation. Agreed. Uh, Cameron Young asking on Twitter, we ask a lot of hypotheticals of what the Jazz should do this offseason or what Andy and Ben would do as a general manager, but what do you think Lindsay and the Jazz will actually end up doing this free agency? What will the roster be come, come September? I would bet no superstar players. I don't think the Jazz spend $30 million on any one player, but I do think they make a couple of small acquisitions. Uh, what, do you, what do you... Like, guys, $15 million and under. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I could absolutely see that. Um... I do think that there is a real chance of this Tobias Harris thing, and I, and I know like this. There's rumors, begate rumors, and then you, yep. you 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 just you end up hearing things over and over again. I have heard that the Jazz are interested in Tobias Harris, and there is interest in return. And in fact, uh, we'll respond to Robert Stewart's question here about that and and this question as well. I've heard you guys, David Locke, and someone else in the market mention the ties of Quinn Snyder and Tobias Harris. What exactly are those ties? I don't know that they have a professional tie. Uh, I know that they have a mutual respect of each other. Hmm. Uh, I know that Quinn Snyder was, you know, quite focused on Tobias Harris when when the Jazz would play the Clippers in matchups, um, and certainly at Tobias Harris's previous stops as as someone that the Jazz really needed to stop. Um, and from what I have heard, Tobias uh, Quinn Snyder is a a draw for Tobias Harris as well as as someone hmm. who can make him get open shots and and play the style of basketball that that would suit him well so uh you know truthfully i don't know what the tie is i i know that there is uh, again mutual respect between those guys yeah brandon whiteside also asking about tobias harris says tobias yeah. harris not that great of a shooter will we uh we will end up overpaying him he might fit our team i get the joke there uh he's a very good shooter yeah but uh, you know i i get it like i i think there's a real worry that you you do end up that in order to get tobias harris you you end up overpaying him you know like sure. That you have to pay him thirty million dollars a year, and to be, and he will be your highest paid player uh, for two seasons. Even though he will be the third best player on your team, you know that's that's kind of a concern. Now, Donovan Mitchell's contract allows you to do that. Yeah. Um, to give you an idea, five thirty eight does these Carmelo projections, mm-hmm. right? Where they project out the v- value of future players. And Tobias Harris's is very good. He's only twenty six years old. He's yep. been a a high value player throughout his career. Uh, and his five-year market value is $82.8 million over the next five years. Okay. Okay? So that's that's not $30 million a year. No. That's $16 million a year. Yeah. So, you know, like, sure. keep that in mind. You know, you're, you're paying a $16 million player, $30 million, and that might be 
I understand why Brandon would be upset about that. But I, I do think that there's kind of a acquisition cost here in the free agent market that you may have to pay rather than you know giving up a good young player or a, or a draft pick in, in the trade market that you kind of have to weigh. You know, would I rather pay thirty million dollars for Tobias Harris or would I rather pay thirty million dollars for Mike Conley, who's probably a better player, uh, but lose two first round draft yeah. picks as well? And also, if you want to look at the Carmelo rating for Donovan Mitchell, well, you know what's what's his average over the next four years? That's or let's say over the next three years of his team control contract. Five year market value two hundred and eighty one million dollars. <laughs> okay. So forty million dollars a year, and how much you pay him? Three million. Yeah. So you're 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 in the black thirty seven million dollars. <laughs> you can afford to right. pay exactly. Uh, you can you can afford to overpay. Yeah. And you know what? You're getting more than twenty five million dollars in production right now from Rudy Gobert. Yeah. In all honesty, you are. So you are you have some house money to play with, and you need to have that guy like Tobias Harris. And again. And we've seen this now uh, again. What, what, what's the what's the word that Quinn Snyder used that everyone was geeking out about the shot quotient the QSQ, QSQ uh, quality shot quotient or whatever it is that the Jazz had the best of anyone in the NBA. So you give good shooters good looks, and they should knock those down. Now yeah. Tobias Harris, even though you could say eh, he's not knocking those down, he's still shooting thirty six percent from the three point line here in the playoffs. And you give him even better looks, you could expect that to climb. Yeah, and he was great during the regular season. Yeah. And again, is is young. You know, I I think yeah. that's something that that appeals to the Jazz that he he does fit the Jazz's timeline. It's not someone who's going to be declining uh, during the course of his contract if you do give him a, a four year deal, which is you know what the Jazz would probably have to do in order to get Tobias Harris' signature. But you're right, getting that thirty two million dollars of surplus value out of Donovan Mitchell means that you do have a lot of room, to, uh, right. a, a lot of you know money to spend. And now. Dante Exum's taking up ten million of that, sure. and we'll see if he's able to contribute next year. You know, I think that's an open question. Uh, but nevertheless, that means you still have a lot of house money to play with. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't love this idea. I would rather have a thirty million dollar guy who gives me fifty million dollars in production than sure. a one million dollar guy who gives me five million dollars in production. Absolutely. But and the Jazz have really touted a lot that they've got a lot of those one million dollar guys who give them five million dollars in production. But that is where on the back end. That little money does start to add up, that the Royce O'Neills and the George Yangs of the world are giving you better production than their value. And that's where those guys, because you have to spend $85 million on the three best players on your team, do you have those next five guys who fill out a playoff roster who are giving you a lot more than what you're paying them? And, and really, you do have to consider if you are going to spend that money for Tobias Harris or, or another free agent, you know, a big money free agent, then those draft picks, those first-round draft picks, become even more valuable because that is where you are getting that production uh, out of a 2 to $3 million contract for, for four years as a result of that rookie contract. We have to take a break. We've got more questions, including from at Royals and Jazz, at Mike Fergieferg. We'll get to your questions next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson with you. Taking your questions on Twitter right now, at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops. Before we get to that, just a quick score update. The Raptors currently up 16 on the Philadelphia 76ers. 
66-50, nine minutes, five seconds left to go in the third quarter. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, we have been noticing, is a is a very good basketball He player. is, like, one of the best in the world. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, anyway. No, I mean, his his numbers this year, this postseason, are as good as you've ever seen from any player Yeah. in a postseason series. And we'll see. Looks like he's going to get the Eastern Conference Finals. He makes superstar plays. He hits superstar shots. His step-back three that he hit against Philly in Game 4 at Philly was unbelievable. His dunk right before the half, who'd he dunk over Embiid and Tobias Harris? I mean, just insane. And it's as good a dunk as you're going to see in the playoffs this year. Yeah, Kawhi is absolutely everything he's built up to be. I know he kind of took a shot last year because of uh, all of his nonsense off the floor, and that was on him because he didn't talk to anyone about it. That's absolutely his problem. But when he's on the floor, he makes he makes you an instant contender. Yeah. Uh, at Royals and Jazz, tweeting us questions. Call me crazy, but is there a possibility the Jazz rehabilitate a now cheap Ryan Anderson? Uh, you may remember Ryan Anderson was the sharpshooting big man, most famously, maybe for, I don't know if most famously for the Rockets or the Magic, but... Uh, Pretty good in New Orleans, was, too. That's true, yeah. Uh, but clearly a, a stretch four who can shoot. Uh, has not played in recent years, partially due to injuries, partially due to just to the fact that he's not good defensively. Can't stay out on the floor. But he is kind of a, a Nico Miritich type, a, a Brook Lopez type in his ability to shoot, not only from the three-point range, but from long distance, from you know, 25, 26, even 30 feet out. Uh, that has helped those teams' spacing in, in years past. What do you think? Uh, I also, it's sad to talk about this because it's just it's a sad thing that happened, but it's very realistic. You look at his drop-off, it very much coincides after the 2015-2016 season, and yet he started to get hurt. Uh, but his girlfriend committed suicide. Right. And then, like, clearly he had very... And he's talked about it. He said, it's just totally taken him out of the game. And rightfully so. Like, that's yeah. a horrible thing to have happen. And he's been dealing with it. And I'm sure at some point you lose your love for things when that happens. I mean, that's a huge think, tragedy. But I also think that, you know, you can get it back. And Absolutely, if, you, if you can get you, it back. you want those chances. And, you know, I, I think that... That's, I'm not sure that we have seen the last of Ryan Anderson as... as Contributing NBA players. And that happened in 2014. And then in 2014-15, he actually had a decent season. And then he jumped up in 2015-2016, played 66 games. He came off the bench for the Pelicans and actually averaged 17 points a game. Like, had a really nice season, and then it really fell apart again. But he's had injuries. He's kind of got this horrible off-the-floor uh, off issue that has clearly disrupted his life. And then, yeah, he doesn't do a lot of things well on the floor either. Right. So it, it, there's a lot there that would make me think, yeah, he might be worth a million and a half dollars, but... I wouldn't trade him for George and Yang right now. Yeah. I'd rather have George and Yang. Yeah, okay. And and I truthfully, I, I can't think of a, a rehab guy that the Jazz have taken on. You know, like they they passed on <sighs> Derek Rose. My favorite NBA player of all time, Who? Josh Howard. Okay. The ultimate rehab. <laughs> this player. is true, actually. That definitely happened, and that was in 20, what was it, 2010? when uh, right? It was yeah, the lockout was season. Yep. Yeah. Yep, you're totally right. Josh um, Howard is great. I want a Josh Howard Jazz jersey. I, I don't have any modern players, but I want a Josh Howard Jazz jersey. <laughs> we can make that happen. Yeah, no, I. Uh, but in the Dennis Lindsay era, sure, let's say this. Absolutely. I, I can't think of a, a bunch of rehab projects. Unless you were to say that that's what Joe Johnson was. And you could probably make that argument a little bit, but even then he had helped Miami what the that's year true. before was a really good player. Yeah. Uh, and, and clearly, like, yeah, had... had Maybe he, was, he had slipped a little bit, but Joe Johnson was still was a, playoff a contributor specific. in the playoffs. Yeah, he was yeah. a playoff-specific player for the Jazz. And they were willing to pay him money because they thought, we can just let you do nothing during the regular season, but we think we can use you in the playoffs. Yeah. And they did. But otherwise, you're right. They don't have that Ryan Anderson type. Uh, Pablo asks, uh, is Dennis Lindsay's draft record overrated? 
Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, thanks to Denver, and reports say Denver initiated the Donovan Mitchell trade. But Tony Bradley, Trey Lyles, Grayson Allen, etc., that Tony Bradley one is especially bad. Imagine if he was actually a young asset that had value in trade negotiations. Look, I, I get it. Like those those picks are frustrating to me. Tony Bradley's not the bad one because it's a twenty eight, and like you know, you're just going to get a lot of failures at twenty eight. I also just don't think Tony Bradley is that bad of a pick because personally, I liked him going into the draft. Huh. I, I saw a six eleven freshman out in North Carolina who had. NCAA best offensive rebounding rates, and right. I was like, "Wow, this kid has something to, to right. go on." And, and players with great offensive rebounding rates right. normally have that that nose for the ball that you want right. and, and succeed in the NBA. So, Poor like, man, I, Stephen Adams, I, I in, got yeah. it, right. you know. And, and that that hasn't worked out um, is 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 a bummer. He's also only twenty one, so like, I'm not completely totally giving up on Tony Bradley yet, even though uh, I, I would not be surprised to see the Jazz move on or draft a center. Yeah, Jazz could absolutely. If they hold on to their pick this year, they could absolutely draft another center. Yeah, if, you know, because again, you you just clearly, so clearly, have to go best player available. Uh, I, again, Grayson Allen wouldn't have been my pick, and so I think there were better picks. But the guy I liked, Aliyah Kobo, has not been good this year either. Yep. You know, like and, right. and everyone from twenty to thirty in that draft, with the exception of Landry Shamit, has been really bad. Yeah. Um. So like. Trey Lyles, to me, is the one you can say, okay, everyone said Devin Booker was kind of the right pick, and the Jazz went unconventional and have been proven wrong for it, and I think that that's real. you know. But I, I think you look at the value you got out of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and add up kind of what you expect your value is from the 14th pick, the 21st pick, the 27th pick, the 20th pick, the 25th pick, the 20th pick again, and look at that draft record and you say, oh, you, you got two legitimate stars out of... yeah." two lottery picks and and those lottery picks were 12 and 14 mm-hmm. you've done a a excellent job right and you can't look at things in a vacuum now we can we to make it up however we want to go but <laughs> i guarantee yeah. you the jazz don't look at trey lyles as a failed draft pick because what did trey lyles turn into true donovan mitchell i mean again what we just said is wouldn't it be nice if at 28 the jazz had a young asset Trey Lyles was a young asset. I mean, that's right. exactly what you want. You want your young asset to turn into something else, whether that's they themselves or Jason Tatum turns into Anthony Davis or however that works. So Donovan Mitchell or Darren Williams, I should say, turns into you know all these draft picks. Like You want your assets to turn into further assets or be an asset themselves. Trey Lyles turned into a great asset for the Jazz because he landed you Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. So that that's actually not a bad thing. Now, you also have to say it's a little bit incomplete because he's lost two first-round draft picks. Wait, because they good. had to trade them for players with the Jazz hands a little bit tied behind their backs to make moves that they had to make. And they are both Gordon Hayward related. And then Gordon Hayward came back and haunted you for those draft picks because he left. But you had to trade one pick to go get George Hill. And then you had to trade another first round pick to go and get Ricky Rubio. Right. And you did both to keep Gordon Hayward happy. And the George Hill, I actually say George Hill worked out because you made the playoffs and you made exactly the run you needed to to keep Gordon Hayward. He just still chose not to stay. Ricky Rubio's been... He helped you in a playoff series. I mean, there's worse things than that. Yeah. And again, you know, are you better right now if you had Josh Okogie? No. Probably not. Josh Okogie's not a very good player. And that's the guy I loved in the draft. It hasn't turned into anything. You probably are. You probably would have loved to have had Torian Prince as a young player. And even then, the Atlanta Hawks, who need young assets, are thinking about moving on from Torian Prince. Right. And and only in his third season. You know, like, Torian Prince is, is not some superstar that you, you know, Torian Prince is not going to get you Mike Conley, if, if that makes sense. You know, I, right. I, I think he uh, is, is a nice player. He's also a player with a who had an 11.9 PER last year, you know, uh, shot only 44% from the, you know, just like was, was a limited player. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's fine. You know, I, I 
you know that he's 25 and is that is is decent it's not franchise changing like quite frankly Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert so like yes did Dennis Lindsay get lucky on the Donovan Mitchell thing by having Denver be willing to trade him that pick Yes, I do think that there was a lot of legwork that went into that trade ahead of time. I do think you have to give a lot of credit to Dennis Lindsay for identifying, oh, Donovan Mitchell is going to be really, really good. This mm-hmm. is a kid we want. And even though, like, you needed a about, you know, you needed a, a bit of luck, you also had to let Denver know that you were the team that needed to move up and were willing to give up the most to move up yep. to get that 14th pick and draft Donovan Mitchell. Yep. Uh, and so I was, I don't know. This is a B. B minus drafter. That's what I'd say. Okay. He, he uh, I w- had I'm a at- grand slam with Rudy Gobert. I do think Donovan a little bit fell into his lap. But great, you still drafted him. You still knew enough to draft him. Uh, otherwise, the picks have been okay. Yeah, and I, I might put that as better than B. I, I'd be curious to go through, and maybe this is a good study to do, Go through all thirty NBA general who's managers and look at their draft yeah. record, and, and you know you've you've got a guy like Sam Presti who's probably going to win that one with three MVPs on on his resume, mm-hmm. but he, you know he's also had some really iffy picks well, and, in recent years. And one years. of those players is on his team, and it's the worst of those three, right? You know, the, I mean, it's, again, you can't look at everything in a vacuum. Yeah, it's it's easy to do that with the draft and say this guy is only this, but James Harden's fantastic and he plays for Houston, and <laughs> Kevin Durant's great and he plays for Golden State. So you made the right drafting choice, and you've got forty million dollars that you have to pay to Russell Westbrook, who had two surgeries today for the you know second time, and you know he's got five knee surgeries now. Right. He's had two knee surgeries in the last twelve months. Presti's an A drafter. Yeah. He may be a D. Isaiah free Thomas was an and, A and drafter guy. and is one of the worst general managers we've had in professional sports in the last he an long time. He's an A drafter? He got a lot of talent at the end of the first round. Magic Johnson was a good drafter. That's yeah. a bad sign. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> no, I, I think that is good. You just want a good drafter and a good sure. trade. Yeah, you know, right. honestly, the one Spurs. Isn't an indicator of the other. Right. By itself. I agree. Yeah, I mean. You look at R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich in San Antonio, and that's a, obviously a, a drafting, a trade organization. Yep. Um, good question, though. I, I think that is worth discussing. Justin Patton was drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves the same year as Tony Bradley, 12 spots ahead of them. That Tony Bradley pick was a little bit of a throwaway for the Jazz. It wasn't a throwaway, but it was kind of the extra pick they had. Uh-huh. And they took a flyer on a guy. And I actually don't mind you taking a flyer on a freshman at the end of the first round that— at one point in the season was the lottery pick. And right. it was, you know, and, and a lot of people thought that. Justin Patton was the sixteenth pick for Minnesota when they needed young talent. He's played four career games and, and was waived. Uh three of them were with the Philadelphia seventy sixers. Right. So drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves, played four games and played three of them with the Philadelphia seventy sixers. <laughs> one for your team. One game. Yeah. He played four minutes for your team as the sixteenth overall pick. Right. Four minutes. Right. That's an insanely bad pick. <laughs> and that happens. Yeah. And, so. and, and, you know, Tony Bradley has played probably, what, 50 minutes? And it, it right. may be, a, and yet right. it's a 28th pick versus yep. a 16th pick. And, you know, Markel Fultz also did not play a lot for the Philadelphia 76ers. You, yep. you, you know, there are a lot of examples of draft busts. Also, drafted right after, uh, who did I just say? Uh, Justin Patton. Uh, drafted four picks later, three picks later at the exact same position. John Collins for the Atlanta Hawks right. was fabulous. And I remember, I, I I like John Collins more than Justin Patton, but guys, people thought that those players were in the same like yeah. realm. Justin they Patton just only took like big 28 rolling. threes or something when he was in college. He played at uh, Creighton, but he hit like 16 of his 28 threes, and people were like, this guy might have something. He's right. played four games. <laughs> it's just the draft is crazy. Yeah, no, it, it, it totally is. 
Uh, I'm curious about this Casey Okpala question for you uh, because I'm, I'm curious how what you think about him, the kid from Stanford, as a potential pick for the Utah Jazz. Let's talk about that next okay. on the other side of this break here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.
The home of the best Utah jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, getting back to you. Again, the Raptors kind of running away with this one in the third quarter over the Sixers, 84-63. Three minutes, 51 seconds left. Can you answer this as a beat writer? Are there teams you like to see lose? Because I'll tell you, I like seeing Boston and Philly lose. <laughs> why, why, uh, Boston because of Gordon Hayward, or is it like, what? what is it? I, I think there's, I, I don't love when we get ahead of ourselves with teams in general. Mm-hmm. We start to hype up these teams that have not really done anything because of the talent they have. And I think I naturally resist that a little bit because I want to see you face adversity. I want to see you show you know, some of the nuances of your team before I start to believe it. And we just kind of crowned Boston and we crowned Philly to be these teams. And then they're losing now. And I like thinking that, oh, okay, that's it's good. It's a good reminder to believe it when you see it. Yeah. I, I like watching good basketball, and that sounds dumb, but like yeah. I like watching teams that play together well and yeah. use the get the most out of their talents. So. Honestly, like peak Golden State was really fun to watch yep. for me. Uh, they're less fun now because honestly, Kevin Durant is uh, uses a lot of isolation. They so, are a lot less fun to watch now than they used to be. Yeah, they and, are a lot less exciting than they used to be. And that's not fatigue. That's their style of play. Right. Uh, that's that's it's not. It's also not wrong. Yeah, because Kevin Durant's that good. Right. No, it, it works for them clearly. Like, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I, I I like teams that play together. So this Milwaukee team with with kind of the way they space the floor around Giannis, who is is someone we've never seen before. Yep. Uh, I I really like that. You know, I uh, I like this sounds dumb, but I like watching the Jazz play because yep. they do move the ball because their sets are really creative because you they get the most out of all their players. You know, um, I I, I Portland is another example. Yeah. I think Terry Stotts is a good coach that that does get the most out of his players, especially on the offensive end. You know, Clippers I, I, were really fun to watch this year. Yeah. That was a fun team to watch. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe that's just overachieving teams, I also, too. I don't like a lot of the personalities on either Philly or Boston. Okay. Uh, I, I don't mind Kyrie. I actually don't mind his off-the-field stuff, off-the-floor stuff, because he's just kind of goofy. Um, and he's fun to watch play, in all honesty. But uh, I, I don't love Jason Tatum, just because I've never quite seen, even coming out of the draft, I didn't quite see what all these other people saw of him being Carmelo Anthony or being that superstar-level player. Uh Philly is really, I just don't like any of the personalities. I don't like Embiid. Ben Simmons is boring. I've never really liked Jimmy Butler's shtick. Tobias Harris is fun. I don't mind Ty- Tobias Harris. Yeah. Even then, he's quiet. He's just right. a very quiet guy, so I don't buy into that. Uh, we had a question from Mike before the break about Kaziak Pala. Thoughts on him as a potential pick for the Utah Jazz. He's uh, the, the player out of Stanford, played in the Pac-12. You've seen him live. Uh, what, what, what did you see? Uh Again, big, long, athletic, NBA body, NBA skill set. I wonder if he's not a knockdown shooter, if he can do anything for you on the floor because he's going to want to have the ball in his hands. And, okay, you got to hit the three first, and once the three goes down, guys will respect that and come out on you, and then you put the ball on the floor, and then can you be a playmaker out of that? Yeah. And that's just that's a, that's a big question mark for a lot of guys. You know, Jason Tatum's not doing that right now, and that's one of his problems. He wants to isolate, and he's just not knocking down shots at a high enough rate to justify being an isolation player. So I do wonder of that. But if he hits those shots and he showed late in his sophomore season that he can start to hit those shots, okay, all of a sudden he's a six foot nine guy who you could play two through the four and you really like everything he can do. And he went to Stanford, so he's a smart kid. You know, those types of things matter. And I like that. And he kind of he's not this five star recruit that has always been a five star kid that's gonna have this attitude. He had he had one offer, it was to a really small school. Stanford said, Well, we need to add one more scholarship kid 
This is the only guy who has the grades that could play D1 basketball potentially. And in that period of 24 months, he turned himself into an NBA prospect. That's, so th- that's great. That's in, that's encouraging. Uh, just looking at his stats, and again, I, I haven't seen a lot of it. Um, it I, I'm a little bit worried about his low number of blocks and steals. You know, yep. I like looking yep. at that as, especially for athletic guys, do use your athleticism well. Um, and, and he has certainly fewer than you would expect a player with that level of athleticism to have. Uh, and, and then, quite frankly, I'm looking at his NBA draft.net uh, ranking, which is not the best uh-huh. draft website in the world. But his NBA comparison is Rodney Hood, which I, yeah. I uh, think is, is funny. And uh, this is a very good week to be Rodney Hood. But yeah. anyway. Rodney's going to get some money this offseason. It'll be funny to see who pays him. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what he gets. In, in case you missed it, Rodney Hood hit huge shots down the, the stretch of their Game 3 win. Uh, <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers really coming in in the fourth overtime and, and winning that game. For and the then Blazers. had a nice Game 4, even though they lost. And I said to the person I was watching it with, I said, this is the most consistent I've ever seen him play because he had back-to-back good games. <laughs> That's not Rodney Hood. He, he has one good game and he has three bad games and he has a really good game and you spread that out over four games and he looks really good, but he generally doesn't have good back-to-back games and he actually did. Yeah, uh, and, and this playoffs, you're right, he's playing really well. Uh, just looking at the numbers, 8.2 points a game, 21 minutes a game, uh, you know, is, is shooting the ball well as well, 45% for the floor, uh, 38% from three. Those are career-best numbers uh, in in the playoffs, and of course, having two play- previous playoff stints, the Jazz's first year in there, the, you know, the the Gordon Hayward last season, uh, and and then last year with the Cleveland Cavaliers, where he did play in 17 games, just only 15 minutes a game, and, and found himself uh, sitting out of a few near the end of that playoff run. Here, and we, you and I are both going to start digging into the draft a little bit more as the Jazz are having their workouts, and they haven't brought in an NBA player yet, uh, and aren't going to tomorrow morning probably either. Maybe Tyus Battle from Syracuse, but. Also understand where the Jazz are picking, in this draft specifically, you are getting extraordinarily flawed players. So yeah. that's what I'm saying about Casey Akpala doesn't mean don't draft him if you're the Jazz at 23. Because everyone you're looking at in that range at 23 is really flawed. So Brandon Clark, and Andy, you might actually like Brandon Clark at Gonzaga. Now, yeah. how many guys from Gonzaga come in and actually blow the socks off the NBA? So they're playing really bad competition in the WCC. They play one or two good teams a year. Uh, they have way better talent on their team or, and, and are playing mu- around much better talent. And then they get to the league, and all of a sudden, everyone's caught up to them. And generally, Gonzaga players haven't been incredibly awesome. Right. There's some good guys. Uh, Olenek's a good player. Uh, but, but they're not traditionally these superstars at the next level. But Brandon Clark averages 17 points a game, 8 rebounds, 3 blocks, and a steal. So he kind of checks all those boxes. His PER this year was... 37. It's <laughs> enormous. Uh, I mean, are you talking about him as a as a prospect for the Jazz cuz I mean, I everything I've seen has had him higher up, you know, maybe even in the lottery. Uh so, and some people do, and I think right now I mean, what is nbadraft.net have him at right now? I think they've got him really low. I mean, ESPN has him at 12. Okay. But that's the type of guy who's could be available at 23. You know, let's see. I could look at NBA draft on it. Not that it terribly matters, but cuz this 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 board is going to shift all over the place right sure. now. Uh, Ringer's got him at 10 right now, okay. Brandon Clark. Uh, Akpala, by the way, at 27. Uh, uh, so, I, again, you, you're probably getting a more realistic thing. NBADraft.net has Brandon Clark at 23 to the Jazz right now. And they've oh, got hey, Casey Akpala that. to uh, Orlando at 16. So that, and that's what this draft is going to look like. You might get Nas Little, who was the number one high school player in the country last year, ahead of Zion Williamson. He could be available for the Jazz at 23. Yeah. Like, that will not be crazy at all. No, it would not. And he had a, a awful... Freshman season, horrible. But again, you're, you're 
there's a, a good reason to draft for potential if you're drafting from 20 to, to, to 30. And, yep. and honestly, that's, I think, what the Jazz have done well. You know, Rudy Gobert, there is not a bigger potential pick that maybe has ever been made. You know, like a, yeah. a 7-1 kid with crazy length, the, the most length in NBA history, and yet really disappointed in, in his preseason workouts and uh, and or I should say his pre-draft workouts and, and the NBA Combine, you know, like that's right. a potential pick that paid off in a big way. Um, and we're looking at another one right now in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's, who's played really well, uh, obviously. Right. You know, the potential picks are, are really probably what you want. There's also shooters in this draft. Tyler Hero is going to be a good shooter. He's going to be available in this draft late. That's the type of player the Jazz could be looking at. Carson Edwards, the kid from Purdue. I think he's Trey Burke, but you saw him light it up in the NCAA tournament. Very similar to what uh, Trey Burke did, but he just he was red hot. You're talking about a sniper. He's a sniper, and that's something that uh, Dennis Lindsay has said. He may just fall in love with shooting this offseason. <laughs> hey, shooting is good. Yeah. All right, next, we've got to take a break here, but we've got questions coming up next segment from Michael Nielsen, Brandon Whitesides, Yojo Spinias, uh, and Adam. So we're going to get to all of your questions next here on the Salt City Hoop Show. That's right here with Andy Larson and Ben Anderson on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson with Ben Anderson. I'm the Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, Ben Anderson. Weekly radio host here, Gunther and Ben show every two to six uh, or every weekday from two to six. Uh, it's a good show. You guys should listen. Hi. <laughs> listen. Just a, a good idea in general. Yeah. Uh, we're in the second hour of the Salt City Hoop Show. As always, taking your questions, talking about the Utah Jazz, the NBA, the playoffs, the draft, whatever you guys want to discuss. Um, we're taking your questions at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. Or you can call us, 877-353-0700. Text us there as well. We do have a backlog of questions to get to, though, so let's let's start right. with those. Uh, Michael Nielsen asks, Kemba Walker, would he fit next to Donovan Mitchell? He would. He would, yeah. And, and I get that people are like, oh, both of those players are, are short and you, you think you need size. Donovan Mitchell is really, really long and can guard twos with absolutely zero problem in yep. my mind. And should uh, continue to get better at it. Yeah, Uh and they are both just so good. So, yeah, you should you should sign Kemba Walker if he's willing to sign. Here's him. a question. Well, let me turn that question on its head. Who's a bad fit next to Donovan Mitchell? Because he's pretty versatile. You can really put him next to most players. Yeah. In some ways, Ricky Rubio is a really bad fit next to Donovan Mitchell. Right. Because you, Ricky Rubio is a guy who needs the ball in his hands to be effective. And... Uh, can't shoot that well. He's right? a non-shooter, like, and so he's a non-finisher, right? So he, you can't, you know, basically, Ricky Rubio's defender can just sag off of him into the yep. paint to prevent Donovan Mitchell from doing what he does best, which is drive to the rim and finish. Now that does eliminate a significant number. I don't know if I say significant, but a big number of point guards that are out there, right? So like Lonzo Ball probably doesn't fit next to Donovan Mitchell, even though he's a better driver than Ricky Rubio is. Rajon is not a guy you would want to bring in. I don't think the Jazz would, but. That's a veteran point guard you probably can't bring in because he does the exact same. He has the same problems. So yeah. you've got to be wary for that uh, type of point guard. And that, that is a type of point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander may turn into that same player. 
there might be some of those same questions, though he's a far better shooter with Patrick Beverly if he were to come to the Jazz. Now, Patrick Beverly is a much better shooter. Yeah. Uh, and and does not need the ball in his hands as much as Ricky Rubio does to be successful. But th- there are He's also those... not a attacker in the paint. Right, right. He's not that other guy who you're going to say, all right, Donovan's being defended by the longer wing defender and has been struggling all night, so give it to Patrick Beverly and, and he's going to put the ball on the floor and get a shot. Right. So th- there's some types of players that don't fit perfectly next to Donovan Mitchell. I actually think the overwhelming majority of players probably do fit pretty well next to him because he's so good. I agree. And you could go with a sharpshooting point guard. You could go with a, a guy who can score in, in a bunch of different ways. I think you could go with a, a, you know, a strong defender like a Patrick Beverly. I think you could go with a second secondary playmaker so long as he does have that shooting characteristic. But, like, yeah, there are, there are a lot of guys who would fit next to, to, uh, to Donovan. I think Kemba is certainly one of them. I think Kemba Walker on the Utah Jazz next season makes them actually legitimate contenders. Like, not even contenders sure. for the Western, like, contenders for the NBA title. Okay. Like, I, I really do believe in Kemba Walker being just an excellent player. Yep. Uh, and he, I, I think that fit would be pretty seamless. Like, that's, he's, he's smart enough to fit in. I think the Jazz could figure out what how to hide him a little bit defensively. Yeah. Certainly having Rudy Gobert back there is good. Really helps. Donovan Mitchell probably needs to bump up his defense in that case because yep. now all of a sudden he's at on the probably the best guard rather than the second best guard. But he's got to do 20% less offensively. Yeah. You know, he can cut out 20% of those possessions. He handles this. I bet you there's 20% of Donovan Mitchell possessions this year, maybe 20 is high, but that were necessary, non-efficient. Right. And I think you could really take those away with a guy like Kimba Walker. Agreed. And make his good... Possessions, even more efficient. And, and I, I think Donovan would relish that challenge of being a better defensive player. Yeah. Um, that would uh, kind of take you to where you need to be as a team. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be pretty brilliant. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I agree. But hey. Brandon Whitesides. Uh, thoughts on using Derek Favors as a post player? Couldn't Derek Favors be a plan B when the threes aren't falling? Um, let me look up what, what his play his post points per possession were uh that was it's a lot of p's in a row yeah uh in general there is no play that you can make less efficient than uh, a post up for a a big man in in today's nba and and we've seen Derek favors in my mind at least get less efficient at that not more efficient at his career has continued because quite frankly the jazz have had him prioritize fewer things you know like instead of being like ty corbin told Derek favors Get stronger, work out with Carl Malone, and kill it on the block, yeah. right? Like, that was what Ty Corbin wanted Derek Favors to do. Then the NBA changed, and you could double team those guys, and, mm-hmm. and Derek Favors wasn't a tremendous passer out of the post, nor was he, quite frankly, a tremendous post player ever. Right. And it just made much more sense to have do any other kind of play rather than that. Right. Uh, as, as far as whether or not that would work in the future i i just don't say you know there are just not teams that are doing this well right now and and because and it's not because you can't it's because the the game has changed right like well, no, okay so let me ask you this question and i'm doing this on purpose name three guys in the nba who have good footwork in the low post right i, I would say Embiid. Embiid has the best in the nba right now uh i would say uh honestly <laughs> ennis Cantor is pretty good at it okay yeah Cantor is phenomenal footwork um yeah. All right. Okay. Right. Yeah, so we're, we're two, at two. Right. and now our conversation is Jaleel Okafor. Okay. You know, okay. Uh, that's the problem. The <laughs> problem right now is Cantor's two. Right. Can- Cantor got waived by the Knicks, <laughs> and, and that might be a Cantor problem. Cantor is going to 
uh, he's gonna he's a sponge. He's just gonna adapt to whatever's around him. So if you've got nonsense around him, he's gonna be nonsense. If you've got good players around him, he's gonna find a way to affect the game. And he's actually been really good in the playoffs. So yeah. now's not a time to be banging on Ennis Cantor. He's shown his value that he has, but there's just not that big of a need for that. And I'd also say he hasn't shown his value through running post plays, right? No. Like that right. that hasn't been what he's been good at. It it's been he's been a surprisingly decent defender offensive rebounder offensive rebounding yeah. and finishing around the basket on kind of role plays yeah. rather than than post-ups you know and, and he can handle himself down there but it, he's just and and maybe the the deal is he's just kind of a threat that you can't yeah. play super small against them but the nuggets were never going to play small anyway you know like there just aren't those guys well the jazz aren't looking for a post player also we yeah. can just answer the question that way jazz aren't looking for their plan b guy be a back to the basket post player because nobody in the nba is now, now that I've looked it up, I uh, am wrong, and Derek Favors is getting 1.17 points per possession okay. on, on post-ups. It was only uh, 25 post-ups all year, it looks like, okay. if I'm doing the math right here. 0.4 post-ups a game, so that gives you kind of an idea of, yeah, of how, how few. few they used. Last year, to give you an idea, that was 0.76 points per possession. And I could be wrong to on me, this. it's just too small of a sample. And here's my hypothesis there. When's he posting up? When he's got an obvious mismatch, when he should score. So I don't think you're throwing the ball to Derek Favors against Joel Embiid in the post and saying, all right, Derek, go to work the way right. you used to with Al Jefferson. You're saying, oh, for some reason, Ilya Kobos guarding you in the post. Let's give you the ball and you turn around and lay the ball up over him. Right. And again, once every three games that this is yeah. happening. Uh, going back kind of his earlier career, you know, in the 2015-16 season, he posted up 3.7 times a game. It was 0.86 points per possession. Again, you can just do a lot better even on half-court possessions. Um, it's not a, like a terrible fail safe, uh, and I agree. Like you know, maybe it's a plan B when the threes aren't falling. But to me, I think the plan B is attack the paint in other ways, yeah. rather than just go to the block and, and yeah. try to score. Um, and also, the plan B is to shoot more threes. I, I I hate to be like missing threes is luck. Uh, in a sense, the same yeah. way that making them is a little bit luck. Going on a string of missing threes doesn't mean stop shooting threes. Right, <laughs> there's and, no rule where you say oh, the guy behind the scenes flipped the three switch off. That doesn't. That's not a thing. The idea is shoot more threes. Then get get better shooters that that get more open looks because the Jazz get a ton of open looks from three. Yeah, and, and uh, you know Brandon's not going to like that answer because Brandon, I've we he's right. a frequent commenter. We know that he is not a a statistical analyst kind right. of guy. Right. You know, but that's that's the truth. We've seen both Golden State and Houston have tremendous success by shooting. A ton of threes. Yeah. Even the Cleveland Cavaliers Milwaukee. winning twenty in yeah. twenty sixteen shot more threes than anyone in NBA history. Right. You know, like they these are top three NBA shooting three point teams that we're we're watching succeed in these playoffs. Um, certainly, both of these teams, Toronto and Philadelphia, no exception. Yeah. Uh, Giorgio Spinius asks, we should get <laughs> Danny Jamichael and Jeff Green. They would look good in our green jersey. Okay. Um, Great. I don't know if the Jazz will have a green jersey next year, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, I guess we'll have to see how many jerseys they have. They should have five. five. Okay. I think they will That's have a, a new of city jersey. Okay. Uh, they should, they, they're should. they on pace for a new statement jersey. That should change every two years. So that's the yellow one that the Jazz had this okay. year. That should change. And then they have the, the playoff, quote-unquote, earned jersey. Yep. That was the green one this year. That changes every year. Um, so we'll see if the Jazz. Uh, well, I, I'm, the Jazz will get one of those. We'll see what they get. It may, it may still be a green one. Um, it totally depends on what Nike decides to do. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a black one this year. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a mountain throwback. Uh, it could go a lot of different ways. Yep. I, I 
don't know as much of as I used to on the Jersey topic, though. Yeah, it'll come out. We'll get information. No, I gotta break it, man. Right, you you will break it still. That's I know what you'll still what break I it. Want. But I just want to know up. now. Jazz already got New Jerseys. We'll see him at the uh, Salt Lake uh, Summer League, Salt Lake City Summer League. That's true. And a new court. A new court. Well, although it's, uh, I wonder if that's just the same city court with decals over. Yeah, the a couple east, of decals. So. Yeah, because it the rest of it's the same, right? Yeah. I would suspect it's a way to reuse that court uh, without because the city jerseys will go away next year, right? Mm-hmm. The city jerseys are on a, right. the, the one-year cycle um, without, you know. So you get to use that court without losing that for forever. I By guess. the way, Cleveland, Memphis, San Antonio? Is that what we're Yes, or? Cleveland, Memphis, and San Antonio okay, so are the three other teams top five the pick Utah Jazz. In, in Cleveland? Yep. That's great. Presumably, yeah. Yeah, you'll have a top five pick in Cleveland, maybe the number one overall pick, potentially coming to Salt Lake. Yeah, which is great. And then Memphis obviously could draft high, uh, could not pass on their pick, kind of depending on what happens in in the draft lottery. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and then obviously San Antonio is going to have bad picks. Going to have a bad pick because they're just like the Jazz. But that's okay. That's fun. Yeah, it's a good. And you know what? Derek White had a breakout summer league. Yep, and was fun to watch, and it translated this year. So that's a the Jazz have done a really nice job putting that together. Yeah, no, it's fun, and, and it gets way better attendance than any other summer league. And the uh, games are fun to the go. The Sacramento to. summer league did well last year, but like the the what's co- now called the Salt Lake City summer league does really well attendance wise. You know, ten, getting ten thousand people to the yeah. summer league games is is not nothing. And it's in an NBA arena where you play at what Rupp Arena in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Thomas and Mac. Thomas and Mac. Okay. So yeah. Thomas and Mac and uh, the one next door, the Spectrum. Center. Yeah, Cox. Thank you, Cox yeah. Pavilion. Uh, but yeah, see, tells what I know, and those are. A little dinky when they're set up because they're college. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, playing in Vivint's great. Damon Passy asks. Rep is in Kentucky. Uh, way off. <laughs> there was nobody there when I was watching the games. <laughs> you went there during the summer. Yeah. That was that wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, IMO talking about Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris will get a max from someone. It might as well be the Jazz. One of the few fours who can play with the ball in their hands as a pick-and-roll player, perfect fit. I don't believe in that mindset overall, that if someone's going to pay him, we should pay we should, him. Right. <laughs> but I don't disagree with Tobias Harris. Yes. Uh, and I, I think Damon's rationale is, is correct, that there aren't that many pick power forwards that can play with the ball in their hands. Even like the guys that used to be threes that are now four that we've seen as, as mm-hmm. the NBA's posi- positions have changed. Like an Al Farouk Aminu is not a pick-and-roll player. You know, Jay Crowder, not yeah. a pick-and-roll player. Yeah. Uh, but Tobias Harris is can run that, mm-hmm. and so you can do some cool four or five kind of stuff. Yeah, if if you so choose. Yeah, um, and yeah, as an initiator, as you're saying, keep yeah. the blender going. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, both ways. It'd be very interesting with the uh, Tobias Harris. Yep. Um, Adam Prodigy JF asks, stands for Jazz fans, one of the really good Jazz message boards out there. By the way, what ha- what would the Jazz offensive rating and ranking have been without Rudy Gobert? So we've talked a lot about how Rudy Gobert has been a better offensive player this season, uh, certainly finishing more around the rim, setting an NBA record, all-time record in dunks. Dunks. Uh, what would the Jazz's offensive rating have been without Rudy? Do you have a sense of that? I mean, they were 15th this year. They yeah. were 15th last year. Uh, the Jazz certainly were worse with Rudy Gobert off the floor. Uh, but it's so hard because obviously those are your bench lineups, and so that yeah. means that you're playing against other bench units. And, and also, so- you you replace a guy, you get back an automatic eighty percent of his contributions. Like there's not that huge of a gap between the worst center in the NBA and the best center in the NBA, and, especially and I mean, at the center position. And I mean just raw addition to what it allows your team to do. So you're going to get so many 
statistics generally from a big man. Now, Rudy is way better than Ekbe Udo. He's way better. Yeah. And absolutely changes the game in that sense. But, you know, it's not like the Jazz go five on four now because they, or four <laughs> on five because they don't have, uh, right. they don't have, and, and those shots go to other players in the Jazz who are capable scores. Or Derek Favor steps in and there's capable scores there. So it, it drops for sure. It might not be as big as people think, but I, I don't think you can underrate how, or overrate how valuable Rudy Gobert is. I agree. Uh, to give you an idea, the Jazz finished with a 109.8 def- offensive rating with Rudy Gobert on the floor. That went down to 104.8 with it, without him on the floor. So they were five points better with him out there. Now, again, got to play with Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles. These are good offensive players. Uh, 109.8, again, put the Jazz in the middle of the pack. 104.8 would have put them 28th. Uh, um, I don't think it's that much because, again, you're talking about bench versus not, but yeah. I think it's he was clearly a positive offensive player this year. I do this a lot, and I watched the Boston game yesterday, like a lot of people did, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And just imagine, just watch the game and imagine that Rudy Gobert is on the floor. The number of shots that get taken in every NBA game that don't exist when Rudy Gobert is there is insane. Yeah, I mean, just watch any NBA game. If you're listening to the show tonight, 8.30 is when the next game starts, is the Portland Nuggets game. Uh-huh. Well, count the number of shots that get sh- taken that you know don't exist against the Jazz. Just open layups. Just guys getting to the paint. There's no one within three feet. Rudy Gobert's always within three feet. Right. And when he's there, you don't shoot. It's over. I mean, the Boston, th- the number of points that Milwaukee got in the paint last night was embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, it must have been, it felt like 75 points. I mean, they were just getting layup after layup after layup. And you just know, as good as Giannis is, Eric Bledsoe can't get into the paint. George Hill was getting layups that don't exist when you play against the Utah Jazz. Every, he could be on the floor in every single one of these series and be one of the four best players on the floor. It doesn't matter which series he's in. It, you put him in any series, he's in that conversation for one of the four best players. I mean, I'm watching this Raptors-Sixers game right now, which is officially blowout. 113-79 with four minutes, 30 <laughs> seconds left. So, yeah, Raptors uh, are, are winning this one. But, I mean, the number of times that Kawhi Leonard has just kind of slithered through the paint, yep. and not that Kawhi Leonard hasn't been great against the Utah Jazz. You know, he scored 45 in their last meeting. You know, that it's Kawhi Leonard is a very good player. But for the most part, those shots are much harder or go away yep. uh, it, because of Rudy Gobert and, and his, his impact. So, just yeah. don't take him for granted. Rudy and Gobert can, is very good. You cannot take him for granted by watching other games and looking at the easy shots that the teams get and realizing those don't exist. He's a, he's a top 20 player, no question. Yeah, there's no question uh, about it. 15, you can argue. Yeah. 10, you can argue. Yeah. 20, I don't think there's any question. Yep. And if uh, you're just looking at raw impact, there's no question. Yeah. Now, his impact on the game is as big as just about any individual player on the floor. Now, that doesn't mean you can't adjust and still beat the Jazz. There are players who you can't, you can't do anything to stop Giannis from beating you. You can't do anything to stop KD or Steph or James Harden, you know, the, the, the best in the world, LeBron. You can't do anything to adjust to stop those guys from beating you. They're just going to be that good. You can adjust to things Rudy Gobert does and still beat the Jazz, but you, he makes you adjust as much as just about anyone in the NBA. Yep. And that, and that's what good players do, right? Yeah, exactly. Make, make those make you make those changes. Uh, Joe P asks, I cannot decide what position is most needed with the current Jazz core, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Really, who is best next to those guys? Is it simply a shooting, passing, playmaking defender that can play any of one, two, three, or four? He suggests uh, Malcolm Brogdon and Tobias Harris are yeah. my top two options. Dennis Lindsay can fill in the rest. Um you know, I, I think there's there's a case for that. Yeah, having an all around guy is really good, but like 
yeah, having a a versatile all around player is good at any possession, no matter who your your core yeah. is. You know, like I, I do think that there's a realism that you you do need a second playmaking scoring. Type. Yeah, you need someone who can score when Donovan Mitchell is off the floor. You need someone who can score with the ball in their hands, right? And not have to have a shot made for them. Right. That's what the Jazz need. And you can get that at the three because look at the number of guys in the NBA who are small forwards who can do it. You can get that at the one because there's a huge huge number of point guards who can do it. And you need that in a way that doesn't take away. You know, like Alec Burks could do that. Yeah. And he would take away in other ways and such yeah. that he was a negative on the floor. Right. Uh, Grayson Allen, honestly, can do that even a yeah. little bit. Right. Like, you that, just that's need why Grayson's able... a little bit interesting next year. Yeah. He may not be on the team. If the Jazz try and pull off a trade, that might be a guy you include because he's a young asset. But... If he's back next year, I would not be upset if I'm a Jazz fan. I'd actually be a little bit curious about what he can develop into. Certainly, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you just, I, I being, I, I think curious is reasonable. You know, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm kind of down on him, sure. but like, I think there, there are reasons to be optimistic. And uh, having a guy who can score without being a huge negative. Now, he was a huge negative on the defensive yeah, end. He was. If he can figure that out, then that's that's an interesting question. Uh, but yeah, Malcolm Brogdon and Tobias Harris are those jack-of-all-trades guys yeah. uh, who give you kind of 8 out of 10 in every category at least. You yeah. know? Uh, T- Tobias Harris, less of a defender than Malcolm Brogdon is, but certainly is is more offensively uh, capable, at least in my, in my mind. Like, it's not crazy to me to think that you get Tobias Harris, who this year with the Clippers averaged 20 points a game. Like, if he's getting all those open looks that Quinn Snyder would get him, like twenty three points a game is not that crazy for right. me. Like he could be there, and then you have two twenty point per game scores and the best rim defender in the NBA. On the other end, maybe he steps back from a usage point of view, right yeah. next to Donovan Mitchell, who you know the the Clippers have Lou Williams, but Lou and and Tobias didn't share a ton of time because one was one yeah. was coming off the bench. Uh, you know, so maybe maybe it goes down, maybe it stays about the same, maybe those two kind of cancel out. Uh, I do think Tobias Harris would be a good fit from that point of view with Quinn Snyder getting him those open looks that I think he could knock down. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think Joe's got a point is you, you do want a guy who adds without taking away, but clearly you do have this just need that uh, of a scorer. Um, so, you know, uh, there, there are players that would not make sense, uh, that uh, just generic scoring types that don't have that defense. Yeah. I don't think Tobias uh, Harris is there. Malcolm Brogdon's nice and, and would be a great addition. You just don't want to pay too much. And, I, and he's just not a guy who... He's like a guy who's always going to give you between 14 and 20. He's not a guy who's occasionally going to give you 30 and win you a game. You know what I mean? Right. And Tobias Harris does that, and I've, I like guys like that. Uh, on the other hand, it would have been so nice to have one more of those guys that would give you 14 to 20 in the playoffs. But that's why those guys are a very each going to get $25 million this offseason. That's like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Malcolm Brogdon gets two years and 50. Yeah. Uh, or I, four I years and 80. Yeah, you know? and, and honestly, I, I think whether or not you pay Malcolm Brogdon 480 or Tobias Harris... Four one twenty is a interesting question. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a real discussion that you might have. I personally might lean on even on the side of Brogdon there yeah. because I like the the positional versatility. I like that he he's a fit at a position of need, um, and I like that he's younger and is he younger? cheaper. I don't know if he's younger. That's he, the funny thing not? about yeah. I mean, Brogdon's not young. He's twenty six. He was born December eleventh, so he's a young. Uh, okay. he's young to be born in the year nineteen. Tobias Harris was born. Drumroll, please. Also July 92. 15th, 92. So they're so five months apart. Like, that's not a difference. Five months older, yeah. Yeah, that's not All a right. difference. You're right. It's not. That's what's funny about Brogdon, too, is you're not getting a 23-year-old because he's in his fourth year in the NBA. Right. No, he's he's 26. 26 he's, he's an old guy. Good point. All right, let's go ahead and cut, 
uh, take a break. We do have one more question from Damon to come up here next segment. Oh, and we just got another one from AJ. George Hill or Ricky Rubio, who is better? That's kind of an interesting question coming no, up. No, it's not. George nope. Hill is better. Definitely? <laughs> yes. I mean, he's been great this playoffs. This regular season, I might take Ricky okay, Rubio. Okay, we though. can talk about the problem right. with George Hill on the other side. And we should talk about the playoffs. We should. We'll talk about all that next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. To the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Uh, two more segments in the show to go for you, but yes, the Raptors uh, have beaten the Milwaukee. Or sorry, the. Philadelphia 76ers, 125-89, a blowout. Yay. Uh, coming up in just a couple minutes here, we'll get uh, Rockets. Uh, sorry, not Rockets Warriors. We'll get Nuggets Blazers, Blazers. Is, is the game tonight. It's like the... It's like still the first round of the playoffs. The other teams all advanced, and rightfully so. Oh. And then Denver and uh, Portland kind of should still be playing in the first round. And then whoever wins that series should get to play someone tougher <laughs> in the second round before they get to the conference finals. Yeah, it That's does feel, feel like there's a... a clear top six in the NBA, if if that makes sense. Uh, We got an interesting question that we were talking about back and forth throughout this break. AJ asking, is George Hill or Ricky Rubio? Who is better? And you said it was clear one way, and I thought it was clear the other way. Oh, interesting. I think George Hill is a better player. Uh, And and I I say Ricky Rubio at this point in their careers. Now, I I would say George Hill two years ago is a a better player, and you want that George Hill on your team all day long. George Hill was excellent for the Utah Jazz uh, in his final season with Utah, his first and only season with Utah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ricky Rubio, I think, certainly has had a lesser impact than George Hill had during that season. And yet, I can't help but remember the regular season George Hill had this year and the playoffs George Hill had last year. Where uh, you know this year with Milwaukee only shot twenty eight percent from three, struggled to make a, a huge contribution. Certainly played for the Bucks, uh, and that bench unit, those bench units were pretty good with George Hill. Didn't have the defense that we've seen from peak George Hill. Clearly, I think the toe injury has sapped some of that from him. Uh, and, and then I, I think Ricky Rubio had like a a decent to good regular season and playoffs where you know it's just kind of this is more about what you believe George Hill really is I'm taking the 47 games of the regular season with Milwaukee uh and the playoffs last year the bulk of the season with the Cleveland Cavaliers last year over what we've seen over the last eight games of these playoffs if you're telling me I guarantee to have one of these guys on my roster for 82 games next year in the playoffs I want George Hill he got traded from Sacramento to Cleveland halfway through the season last year, then ended up with that horrible post. I mean, remember that Cleveland team? Nobody had played together. Sure. Rodney Hood all of a sudden ended up on that team. George Hill ended up on that team. Was it Iman Shumpert or maybe Shumpert went the other direction? I can't remember what it was. But it was Jordan Clarkson all of a sudden was on that team. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a super weird team. Larry Nance was on that team out of nowhere. So I, I, I can't buy into anything that was going on there. Uh, and then the same way this year with getting traded halfway through the season with Milwaukee. I just I need a full year with a guy. And I think George Hill, with a full year of knowing what he's doing, I think he helps you. I think the things he does help you win games, like being able to score the ball and shoot the ball, better than Ricky Rubio. And I know he shot poorly this year. What but, about the year before with Sacramento? Well, because it's Sacramento. Okay. Because he signed a contract. And this is the George Hill's problem. I'm not, 
I'm not taking this is on George Hill's shoulders and his agent, and this is George Hill's plan all along. Sign the best contract you have on a bad team and then force your way out the same way he forced his way out of Utah. Yeah. So this this is what George Hill does, and that's a George Hill problem. But if I could have him for a full season for a year, even three years removed from his last good season, I would still probably take him over Ricky Rubio. I, I would say sure. If if you're willing if you're gonna get eighty two games of good George Hill um, I would even take the gamble that we don't know what George Hill we're getting, and I would still take that over what I know Ricky Rubio is going to give me next year. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I get kind of taking the higher upside player, um, which sounds crazy because you know George Hill will be thirty three next year, Ricky Rubio twenty eight. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think that that is that's something to consider. I think who is better at is is not. Uh, you know, it, given health, given the best situation possible, I think. That says a lot about George Hill, right? Like, I, I think you you have to take those problems into account. Absolutely. When you're talking about who is better, you know, this yeah. is the the Dennis Lindsay, the best availability is or best ability is availability thing yeah. um, comes into play here a little bit. But also, one of the good abilities is not being a, a jerk and Absolutely. playing at 100. percent Again, yeah, I, I am putting these in these guys in vacuums of. If I know I'm going to get a year of these players, and that's what I'm starting at from square one, and I'm picking a point guard for my team next year, I'm probably taking George Hill over Ricky Rubio. Damon, by the way, also asked uh, thoughts on Boyan Bogdanovic and Malcolm Brogdon as fits. We've all, all, already talked about Malcolm Brogdon, but what, are you, what do you think about Boye? Be great. Bo- not Bogey, yeah. Boyan. Boyan Bogdanovic. Yes, not Bogdan that Bogdanovic. Not, that's the Kings Boyan one. Boyan Bogdanovic. Boyan is the Indiana Pacers one. Yeah, he seems uh, perfect for the Jazz. <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, Joe Ingles is great. He would be great. You know, just a guy who can do a lot of different things, really shoots the ball. He's a better scorer. He's a better creator than uh, is Joe Ingles. Yeah. And uh, Joe Ingles is really good. He can run the pick and roll and do things like that. But I, you can give uh, Boyan a, the ball in a couple more spaces and say, do something with it, and he can do something with it. And that is kind of what is fun about this free agency class is that there are really probably like seven guys who I think would be, and you may have to pay them, you know, 20 to $30 million. But there's there's going to be one of those guys who is willing to sign with the Utah Jazz. And in, also, in my mind. don't be afraid of overpaying for a player. Every single team in the NBA is overpaying for somebody. Yeah, there's not anybody in the NBA who is not overpaying for a player currently. Even great teams. Every team in the playoffs right now has someone they're overpaying significantly. Celtics are overpaying Gordon Hayward. Yeah, he made one basket last night and he's paying thirty three million dollars a year. Blazers are overpaying uh, Evan Turner. Yeah, you know, uh, by like, a ton. By so yeah, so much money. So much money. Uh, Paul Millsap's being overpaid right absolutely. now. Absolutely, thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, everybody is overpaying a player. Rockets right are now. overpaying Chris Paul. Sorry, right. that's harsh, but it's true. Absolutely, he's uh, getting his contract <laughs> next year and the year after become some of the worst in the NBA. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. I mean, the Warriors are overpaying people. Like, Tony everyone... Snell is getting overpaid right now in uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, like everybody is overpaying somebody. Yeah. It's okay to do it. Don't be so afraid of overpaying somebody that you don't pay anybody. Agreed. And George Hill's being overpaid. You know, like yeah. we right. can go up and down this list. Like, yeah, yeah everyone has. You, you do have to get somebody, I, I, I do think. And and there will be those options, whether that's Malcolm Brogdick, Bajanovic, uh, Tobias Harris, Kemba Walker. J.J. You know, Redick. J.J. Redick. Okay. I don't know why. Absolutely. Why would why would J.J. Redick not be in the conversation for the Jazz? Well, he's not in that conversation of the the four guys I just named, right? Like he's he's not as good as those guys. He averages eighteen points a game, shoots forty percent from the three point line. It's getting kind of played off the floor defensively. Yeah, he's got some like, issues. He's not perfect. Thirty four, and know, I wouldn't like, give him thirty million. But if you want to do two guys at fifteen million, I'd be happy to give him fifteen. You, would, I, I'd think about it. I, at least I would give him like one year fifteen. Sure, I don't know that. I'm Which is him. what he signed this year with Philly. Right. You might have to give him two years twenty five when everyone else wants to give him one year fourteen. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. 
Uh, I was going to say Chris Middleton rather than J.J. Redick. And he's way better. But let's be honest. Um, He may not be. If we're aiming really high for the Jazz, maybe bring it down a little bit and look at the J.J. Redicks. And J.J. Redick would be a really nice addition to this team. Yeah. Because Kyle Korver, when he was good, Jazz were basically unbeatable when Kyle Korver was good, and J.J. Redick's better than Kyle Korver. I I agree with that. I worry about J.J. Redick becoming Kyle Korver and that you may not be able to keep him on the floor as he ages. a couple years away from that. I think you've got at least two years before he gets there. Very possibly. Or he could start his podcast career in earnest yeah. and uh, continue <laughs> to do that. that. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, we've got a couple minutes in. We don't have any other questions. If you do want to get a question in before the end of the show, now is your time. At Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops. Uh, you can also call us 877-353-0700. But we were talking about the question of whether or not this is the most interesting playoffs, the most interesting second round ever. And our producer, James, mm-hmm. uh, has come up kind of with some interesting research on on some other interesting second rounds. So I want to get his input on uh, where kind of this second round, with all of its six and seven game series, looks like it'll end up compared to years past. So, yeah, thank you for for. Uh Give me the time to do Thank this. Thank you for Number the research. One, um, I went back. I only went back as far as 2000. Okay. Honestly, you, you guys see how young I am. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm 27. That's right. about right when I started. Listen, really man, I'm 27. It. It's yeah. all, we're all none of us know <laughs> so, anything. So 04. Okay, you know. Stuff. So I came with 04, <laughs> 06, and 08. Those are the three other contenders okay. I think in this. 2004, Minnesota over Sacramento in seven games. That was KG's MVP year yep. with Sam Cassell, Latrell Sprewell. And that was the Vladi Divac, Chris Weber, Peja Stoyakovic, yeah. Mike Bibby teams. Those teams, teams were awesome. Yeah, Maybe yep. the end of that era, Yep, honestly. Because yep. the next year, or Weber got hurt right. uh, in they the got summer Vladi was too year. old. Yeah. Yeah. What else happened in that year? Uh, so then you, had, then you had the Lakers-Spurs. That was the Derek Fisher shot Kay. here. Point four left on the clock in game five. Also, something interesting about that one, the Lakers went down 0-2 in that series and then, then swept the last four games. Yeah. Okay. So that was a wildly entertaining series. That was, of course, the Carl Malone year with the Lakers. They had right. Malone, Peyton, Kobe, and Shaq, the end of the Shaq and Kobe era. Uh, then then another one, under-the-radar one in the Eastern Conference, Nets-Pistons. That went seven games. Which is not- probably still Kidd, Kenyon Martin, yeah. maybe Vince or maybe RJ, but still a good roster. So no, no Vince Carter yet. Okay. But it was it was Kid, Kenyon Martin, RJ. Yeah, it's a good and roster. This was Keith you guys Van may Horn. not remember this series right off the bat, but it went seven games, and game five was the game it went triple overtime. Yeah, Billups hit the half court, court shot, shot yeah. to ah. tie the game, put it into overtime. Um, and so there was that one. Brian Scalabrini also doing my research here. He was the hero for the Nets. Seventeen points hits the game clinching three. Kay. So there you go, Brian Scalabrini Nets playoff hero. And then the other one, probably the worst of the four, but still went six games. Pacers took down D Wade's rookie year Heat. Okay, uh, that was the last Reggie Miller led Pacers team with a legitimate chance at the finals. Because the next playoff series, you had Detroit beating right. Reggie Miller's team with the uh, Tayshon, Tayshon Prince chase down block. Right, so that's oh, four. Okay, what's 06? So that one? Yeah. So oh six, you had Pistons and Cavs. This was not the. 07, where the Cavs went to the finals uh, series, it was the year before LeBron's first playoff series. He averaged 26, eight rebounds, six okay. assists in that one. Uh, Suns Clippers, this was the one that went seven games. Raja Bell Kobe. had the. Kobe uh, one shoot. So well, that Suns was, Clippers. That was Suns oh, Lakers. That was Lakers. same year. Same year, but first round. Okay, my bad. Um, but Suns Clippers, that's the one that game five went double overtime. Raja Bell hit the corner three okay. to put in the double overtime, if you remember that game. A classic game there. That was Elton Brand, Sam Cassell, yep. Clippers. Um, 
Mavs and then Mavs Spurs, the best best series of the of the four. Yeah. Uh, this was the one where the year that the Mavs went to the finals, Dirk had the and one in Game Seven yes. to clinch the the dethroning of the defending champions at the time, the Spurs. And then oh eight, um, we had that was Jazz Lakers. Uh, Jazz lost series. in six games. Yeah. I feel like the best team in the D Will era. Okay. Of the Jazz didn't go as far as the 0-7 team, but I think the best. It was hard to watch because they were just handcuffed because they were not as long as Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum, and he just like it was just so inevitable the Jazz were going to lose that series, even when they played well. It just was hard to watch. Plus, it was kind of painful. Plus Odom, I just remember Odom yep. going right past. They were just so much longer, way than the faster Jazz. than yep. Boozer in that one as well. Uh, so that was the one. That was the series that Ronnie Price had that awesome chase down yep. block though in Game Four on Luke Walton. Okay. That was the big moment in that series for Jazz anyway. Uh, another underrated part of this series, the last four games, three through six, combined margin of victory between the between the uh, two, two teams, teams. 23 points is all. Yeah, so close. Really what were the other, close what were the other matchups? Uh, Celtics-Cavs. Okay. Uh, and that one went, that one was the one that went seven games. The home team won all, all seven games. LeBron in game four had the, with no regard for human life, yeah. dunk, um, yeah. and... The did the game Cavs seven. win that series? So that was the Celtics. Celtics won that one. Game seven was okay. the was the game that Paul Pierce outdueled LeBron. Okay, they both scored over forty. Uh, and then the last one, the worst of the of the uh, four. Well, second to worst of the four because one went only five games. It was Spurs Hornets. Still went seven games. Spurs went down 0-2. Everyone was right in their obituary as we okay. always do. Right. And then it's Chris Paul's break. Yeah. And then the uh, the Spurs end up coming back and winning that series in seven games chris paul's first playoff yep year. um i i you know i would say so that means this is the best and thank you for that research james yeah. i think that is means that this is the best second round in a decade i'd say this uh, is the best since 04 that 04 was better and then oh i agree 04 sounds better i would say even in like 06 07 the kind of the names there and and the the what was at stake for some of those yeah. teams doesn't feel as as grand as what's at stake for these teams right now, with the exception of maybe Portland and Denver, who I think we're we're pretty clear are not contenders. Everyone in the East feels like a contender, you know, maybe besides the Boston Celtics now, but I don't know that we knew that coming into the series. Um, and obviously, both the the Rockets and the Warriors have shown that they can play at the very highest of, very highest of levels. Really quickly, we go if you go oh four, Pistons have probably three Hall of Famers. Nets have probably two Hall of Famers. That's six. Indiana Pacers had at least one Hall of Famer in Reggie. Miami Heat had a Hall of Famer in Dwayne Wade. That's six Hall of Famers now that we have. Lakers had. Four Hall of Famers, so you're up to ten Hall of Famers. San Antonio had three, so you're up to thirteen. Minnesota had one in KG, you're up to fourteen Hall of Famers, and the Kings probably end up with two, maybe out of that group. Maybe, maybe nobody, maybe nobody on that Kings because Chris Weber hasn't made it. Did Pacha make it? Pacha's not in, and Vladdy's not going to make it. Though they probably didn't have any Hall of Famers. Chris Weber should get in. Vladdy might be international, but yeah. Anyway. Uh, uh, but that, I mean, that's twenty Hall of Famers you're talking about there, and yeah. probably twenty five All Stars. Let's let's count up really quick how many we we have playing right now, and okay. obviously that's much harder to tell. But uh, you've probably got four playing for the the Warriors. Uh, if you think Draymond Green gets there, maybe Demarcus Cousins gets there. Who knows? But I think clearly their top three make it at this point. Uh, Portland, I think Dame definitely gets there. Well, let's maybe just go. CJ. Let's go the matchups that are going head okay. to head right now. Sure. So Warriors, let's say four. I think I'm okay with that because Andre Iguodala has an argument if Draymond doesn't point. get it. Uh, Houston Rockets have two. Yep. So we're up to six. Nuggets have one. Probably have one probably right Jokic. now. Uh, Portland Trailblazers have one right now in yeah. Dame. So we're up to what? Eight. We're up to eight. Eight. Uh, Milwaukee has at least one. 
Right now, we're up to nine with Giannis. Boston Celtics have one in Kyrie Irving. We're up to ten. Toronto has one in Kawhi. Kawhi. Uh, Al Horford, not a Hall of Famer. He's probably right on that. He's probably knocking on the door, but so is Marcus Gasol. Marcus yeah, Marcus Hall is probably a Hall of Famer. At and least then, for international, he'll definitely make it. Philly probably has two to three. Yeah. We'll have to see what Embiid, Simmons do, but I think Jimmy Butler's probably headed in that direction. And who knows if like Pascal Siakam yeah. or CJ McCollum or yeah. kind of these second-tier guys. Obviously, you but know, we're talking like 12 to 13. Cousins, yeah. uh, Draymond Green, yeah, all absolutely. these guys definitely could. So. We're in, it's like the conversation of 12 to 13, maybe as high as 15. 04, what did we say? Is that almost 20? Almost 20. So yeah, I mean we're uh, about the same range, and again, some of someone's going to surprise us, I think, out of out of that group as well. So, um, I, I I'm with you. Probably 04 is a little bit better, but this is second place in the millennium. We'll take it. And also, we look at 04 was great because we can now look back with 15 years and say, oh, I know what those teams turned into. Right. I know what these guys ended up doing. Where at the time, even in 04, nobody thought that Pistons team was going to be that Pistons team because nobody thought they had a chance to win a championship yeah. that year, and they won. And all of a sudden, Tayshawn matters, Rip matters. Ben Wallace matters. Rashid totally changes his resume of yep. what he was as an NBA player. That's and that could totally happen with really any of these teams. All know, these like, Eastern Conference teams. Yeah, Denver or Portland potentially they stun somebody. Houston has a big series. Clint Capella is a superhero. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's out there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we do have to take one more break. Let's go ahead and take that now. Uh, I, I do want to talk. Uh, we got an interesting tweet about JJ Redick. We mentioned him as a possible free agent candidate for the Utah Jazz. Talk about that. Wrap up the show next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Last segment of the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson with Ben Anderson talking about the Utah Jazz and the NBA here on the Salt City Hoops show. TJ Gale had a good tweet for us that I wanted to read. We were talking about possible free agent additions. Ben mentioned J.J. Redick, pointed out, J.J. Redick dogged Utah pretty hard when he had Donovan Mitchell on his yeah. podcast. He ain't coming to Utah. That's a good point. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, he did. He said he wouldn't want to live in Utah. Seems money, like he probably won't go to Utah. Money, money talks, though. You know? It f- does. $15 million talks. Utah's a lovely place. And actually, I kind of wanted to get into this maybe, and this is <laughs> like a, a universal talk show, radio, uh-huh. sports discussion. Do people want to come to Utah? Um, and in particular, there was that great article by Chris Kamrani in this uh, Sunday's Salt Lake Tribune about Quinn Snyder yep. and what he does for the Utah Jazz, kind of his unique approach, and why that might be interesting to free agents. We talked about that with Tobias Harris a little bit earlier. I do think that there that is real. I think players, especially smart players around the league, look at what Quinn Snyder does and look at the open shots that he gets yep. uh, his players and says, you know, that's a guy that I want to play for, yep. especially given that the, the rave reviews he gets from from most of the players who have played for him. Certainly not Trey Lyles. You know, there is like the, the Trey Lyles contingent of the league yep. probably doesn't want to play for Quinn right. Snyder. It's also a guy who can't get in the rotation on a team that could use him in a rotation. May not be the kind of player you want on your team, any team, let alone a Quinn Snyder. Team. If I'm a Jazz fan, I'm rooting really hard for Milwaukee to win this series. Why is that? Because they have a similar issue to Salt Lake that Milwaukee has similar issues to Salt Lake City racially they've had extraordinarily bad racial problems with their basketball team certainly both Sterling Sterling Brown Brown and John Henson yep remember John Henson was trying to buy jewelry at a jewelry store and the guy who owned it called the cops on him 
Milwaukee weirdly uh, segregated town in terms of yeah. where the, the people of different races live in Milwaukee. I think it's the the most racially segregated huh. town of any. Uh, Sterling Brown NBA obviously city. was anyway. arrested for sitting in his car in a parking lot and was dragged out of his car and you know was was put in handcuffs and that cop. I don't know if that cop got fired or whatever it was, but you know they've had very serious racial issues and right now they've got a team of guys who would play in Utah. Mm-hmm. Who on that Milwaukee team would you say could not ever play in Salt Lake City? There's not a single person. Yeah, I, I agree. So it's very heavily European, and you've got a young superstar who's making $25 million a year, and then a bunch of other guys who are jazz-type players uh, or guys who are on their second or third teams that they've done a really jo- nice job ma- uh, uh, maximizing what they can get from those guys. So I look at Milwaukee, and you hope that other players around the league look at Milwaukee and say, that's a good design, and I can find that, and I can be happy there. And also the Mike Budenholzer, <laughs> Quinn, Snyder, uh, Quinn Snyder thing yeah. is a very obvious connection. Like that, that's the blueprint for the Jazz of how to get better. Yeah, and, and I do think that you can make that case even in the Western Conference to say the Warriors are changing, losing Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, you can't sign with the Warriors; they don't have free agent space. You can't sign with the Houston Rockets, yeah. but you can sign with us. Yeah. You can't sign with Den- the Denver Nuggets or the Portland Trailblazers; they don't have that space. It is the Utah Jazz, maybe the best team in the Western Conference that has that. Now, uh, you know, you can make a case that you add an excellent free agent to the LA Lakers or the LA Clippers or you know one of those teams and maybe you know the the LeBron plus Kyrie plus whoever Kemba, Lakers yeah, are right. are really good you right. know like and certainly the the Clippers with two max cap spots and might Dallas. do that too Dallas, Dallas that might be a great too. team yeah no, Jazz are going to be fifth at best in the pecking order in the Western Conference in terms of getting a free agent? Yeah. I mean, the Lakers are going to sign. Clippers are going to sign. Dallas is going to sign. There's teams with money that are going to go out. Maybe the Jazz are up there at yeah, I don't. I don't know. That, yeah, I, don't, I, I wouldn't agree with that. I okay. might say that they're third or fourth. And, and okay, so, I, I get that Utah's unique, but anyway. And, and if we're talking about eight players that matter and you're fourth and there's still teams in the Eastern Conference, you might be getting to pretty slim pickings quickly. Well, but, that's what. I, and maybe that's what you get is you get the, the sixth or seventh or yeah. eighth player. You're not getting Kawhi Leonard. No, no one's talking about that. No. But you are talking about getting Tobias Harris or Malcolm Brogdon, and, right. and you do have a real chance at that. Yeah. And you're uh, good. And, or maybe even Chris Middleton. You right. know, and, and uh, you know, maybe he stays in Milwaukee, especially if they do have a, a, yeah. a really good finish to the season. But we'll see. Lots to talk about with this Utah Jazz team. Yeah. I'm really excited for this. There is a Jazz draft workout tomorrow. We'll be covering that for you at Salt City Hoops and, of course, on ESPN 700. Uh, but for now, that's another episode of the Salt City Hoop Show. Thanks again to Ben Anderson for joining me. Thanks to James for producing in that research. Thanks for the tweets. Andy Larson signing out. This has been the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? A banner year for your company. Staples wants to help your business achieve big things with 20% back in rewards on your color printing. Trust the pros at Staples to print whatever your business needs, like color presentations, brochures, and banners. Prepare yourself for a banner year and banner savings. With 20% back in rewards on your color printing. Right now at Staples. Where there's a whole lot in store. And 622.19 in-store only. Exclusions apply. See staples.com slash 20 back for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. There's a new O'Reilly Auto Parts store in Vineyard on North Geneva Road. Stop by the grand opening celebration now through May 21st and receive 50% off on select items. You'll find everything from replacement parts to tools and accessories at everyday low prices. Visit the new O'Reilly Auto Parts store in Vineyard. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.